Barstool is venturing into live sports broadcasting, and we have star tight end Mark Andrews on later in the show. It's Wednesday, July 26th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Barstool has built up its presence in sports media through its written and podcast content. The company saw the culmination of its efforts earlier this year when Penn Entertainment completed its purchase of Barstool for a total of $551 million. Now Barstool is making a foray into live sports broadcasting with the Corn Ferry Tour. My colleague David Rumsey spoke to Sam Bazoian, better known as Riggs, who covers golf for Barstool and hosts their foreplay podcast. Here's their conversation. All right, we're here with Riggs from Barstool Sports popular golf podcast foreplay. Riggs, you talk about golf and produce golf content every day. You've hosted tournaments and covered major championships, but this week you're going to be facil- facilitating the exclusive broadcast of an official professional golf tournament with world ranking points on the line and a million dollar purse uh, up for grabs. Um, can you fill us in on what's going on? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be something brand new for us, obviously. Um, fresh, there's nerves, there's kind of uh, unpredictability. You know, we could talk on a podcast, we can film our own videos, we can walk around a driving range at a major and kind of just be part of the media, whatever. But, um, but yeah, now it's sort of an obligation from us to to broadcast and showcase a professional golf tournament where people's lives and careers can be dramatically changed. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely different for us. Uh, but also it's very, it's very cool. It's about, you know, it's kind of about the golf really. I think if we try to make it about us or whatever that, that would be a huge miss. I think that for us, it's cool to obviously see if we can broadcast golf, uh, to kind of put some of our own ideas in there to get our own personalities involved in broadcasting a golf tournament. Like that's all very cool and fun. And I think that people that have known Barstool for years are probably pretty excited about that. But at the end of the day, it's like if we if we don't broadcast the golf and show the integrity of the golf, uh, then we failed. So that's kind of our main goal is to just let the Corn Ferry Tour kind of speak for itself. Let some of these stories, you know, we'll highlight some of the stories, obviously, some of the facts that these guys are you know, if they play well one week, it could literally change their lives in terms of playing on the PGA Tour, or not playing on the PGA Tour. Uh, if they play poorly for a stretch or, or this season or these next couple months, they could be caddying or they could be picking up a, a server job to try to pay the bills all winter. And if they play well, they could literally get a PGA Tour card. So kind of trying to showcase that, show as much golf as we possibly can, mix in some of kind of what we do with our banter. Uh, and hopefully it goes pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the Corn Ferry Tour event for non-avid golfers. That's kind of the tour right below the PGA Tour. Riggs, can you take me through, you know, how this came together on Barstool side of things at least? Yeah, I mean, we um, look, the Corn Ferry Tour doesn't get a lot of uh, limelight. You know, it's really difficult to watch it. They do do the Corn Ferry Tour finals, um, sort of the playoffs, I guess, on uh, TV. You can watch it. But outside of that, it's very, very difficult or not even possible at all to really watch Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, you know, I've got a few friends that I made out here in Scottsdale the last few years, Alistair Doherty, Brady Calkins, who play out there. And in the finals of Q School, so qualifying school last year, you know, it's sort of if you finish inside the top 40, you get guaranteed eight starts. There's about 150 or so players. Uh, but it wasn't broadcast anywhere. And those guys that week, I mean, it's, you know, uh, uh, four rounds. They're literally playing for their livelihood. If they play poorly that one week, 
you know, it's over after they made it through two stages. It's over. They got to regroup. They got to try to Monday qualify if they want to play throughout the year. And they got to try to take their shot again the following fall. Uh, And there was nowhere to watch it. It was like I was literally just watching, refreshing my internet browser, trying to see if Alistair, he made it pretty much on the number within a stroke or two. Uh, So it's like you're refreshing the shot link and you're refreshing the leaderboard. There's nowhere to watch it. And that is as dramatic as it possibly gets. I mean, I I get that it doesn't have the prestige, doesn't have the history of watching a major championship. But in terms of what it means to those guys in that moment, that's as big as it gets for a human being. And you couldn't really watch it. So we were kind of talking a lot about that. Um, The Corn Ferry Tour, on the media side is obviously looking to get as much exposure as they can because, like I said, they don't get much limelight. The average sports fan doesn't know anything about the Corn Ferry Tour, which I get. I don't really know a ton about it either, and we're going to work really hard to try to learn and broadcast and bring that to life, but uh, that kind of was an obvious marriage, right? It's like if we're sitting here talking about how we can't watch it, we want to be able to watch it. We've never broadcasted golf before, but we are you know, kind of a growing, growing, growing media company. They obviously are willing to try to get as much exposure as they can. So we kind of started talking earlier this year. Uh, we pinpointed a date that kind of worked for everybody that you know, we were trying to get an event that's as late in the calendar as we can uh, without encroaching on other deep TV deals, broadcasting deals, uh, encroaching on any of our scheduling stuff so that you know we kind of can highlight the intensity. From what I'm understanding, there's a very tense sort of vibe that's kind of been cast over the Corn Ferry Tour the last couple of weeks because these guys went from kind of, you know, beginning of the year, everybody's pretty excited to be there. They made it through qualifying school. They're in the Bahamas. It's like they're playing pro golf, and now it's sort of crunch time. It's like, all right, you've had, you know, half the year so far or, or five, six months out there. Now you got to kind of, you got to either make it or you don't. And so, um, so that's fun for us to try to, you know, capture that, broadcast that, put that out to the world. Um, and so, yeah, it, it just kind of seemed like uh, a pretty obvious thing. I mean, I was probably one of the last people to sign off on it just because I didn't know if we could do it. You know, it's like, how could we're going to broadcast the golf tournament? That seems pretty difficult, but you know, you outsource it to production teams that do this week in and week out the, you know, the, the, the crew that broadcasts um, professional golf tournaments that you're used to watching, you know, they, they freelance, if you will, or they, they kind of uh, consult out outsource, whatever you want to call it to different, you know, media companies that put on tournaments. So they're very, very good at what they do. They've been amazing at working with us. And then, you know, we'll kind of be the on-air folks that are, that are bringing it to life. So, um, so that's kind of how it all came about, came about. And, you know, we're, we're kind of a mix of probably pretty nervous and also pretty excited. And at the end of the day, it's, this is all additive, right? Like this just wouldn't be going on. The P, the corn fairy tour just wouldn't be broadcast. You wouldn't be able to watch it unless we were doing this. So this is a bonus. I think the players are excited and, and yeah, it'll be, I'm as curious to see how it goes as anybody else. I think. Yeah. I think distribution wise, it's great for golf fans, whether they're familiar with Barstool or not. I mean, it's free. You don't have to pay for a streaming service. You just log on and watch, you get to watch some players, you know, you don't get to see maybe on the PGA tour weekend and week out. Um, Barstool has covered a lot of sports in in recent years, Uh, Arizona bowl, college basketball tournament. Um, this is the first foray into golf. Those other broadcasts aren't necessarily, um, traditional sports broadcasts. Um, what do you think this is going to be like in the sense of leaning towards golf broadcasts, uh, playing into the Barstool way of, you know, covering live sports? Yeah, look, I think people know Barstool is sort of the non-buttoned-up version of of sports media, right? That's sort of what we've become. That's what Dave established, you know, two decades ago at this point. Uh, and the way that we talk about golf is probably not what you typically hear on a golf broadcast. But 
at the end of the day, that's actually way more similar to how most people talk about golf. If you go to a 19th hole at any public course or private course, you know, people speak about golf in a much more candid kind of normal, like you're at the bar having a beer kind of way. Uh, and that's sort of how we talk about golf. So I think at the end of the day, if we show a lot of golf, right, that's sort of the key. It's like we're going to show a lot of golf. We're not going to focus on us yeah we're gonna have our our personalities out there we're gonna be in the mix we're gonna be trying to interview players during the round we're gonna try to pull guys that have an incredible round onto the broadcast if they played in the morning and we're broadcasting afternoon jump on talk us through some of these holes so we're gonna be probably more interactive which is the nature of what we do right we're sort of you know the players have been following barstool for a long time there's a lot of guys in the field that know barstool in and out that are fans of certain brands of barstool whether it's foreplay or pardon my take or spitting chiclets or portnoy or whoever so um so that you know there's kind of a uh, i think probably going to be a pretty good relationship right out of the gate and i think they're going to be eager to get out there they're going to be excited to get the exposure and so you know we want to hold the integrity of the competition like you said at the beginning million dollar purse they're playing for points they're playing for their livelihood so you know if we can not encroach on that or if we can instead sort of amplify that um while also making it entertaining i think that it'll be you know it'll be pretty good i think it'll go pretty well i think it'll be successful i think that the corn fairy tour will be very excited that that it happened but we do you know we see that the the there's an obligation that we have right to to present it properly to hold the integrity of the competition to hold the integrity of the broadcast and if we can make it a little more entertaining and a little different you know we're usually pretty good at that so yeah i, th- I think it's going to be a great spotlight for the players um i mean you have journeymen and veterans on the corn fairy tour but you know for the large majority it's it's younger guys kind of into that barstool demographic so i think they're going to really you know eat it up you, you mentioned riggs you were maybe the last person to sign off on it because you weren't sure if you could you know do it right is there anything you're particularly nervous for presentation wise you know, at this point, I feel pretty good. We've had a lot of meetings. We've got a lot of talent in there. Uh, and we're working with with people that know what they're doing. Um, so I'm pretty confident now there's going to be hiccups. We're going to mess stuff up. The beauty of it, right, is I think that we almost thrive on messing stuff up, right? We call that the barstool difference. Like, it's not going to be perfectly polished. There's going to be funny moments. And I think that our difference, right, is instead of sitting there awkwardly being like, oh, no, oh, no, right? We kind of can roll with the punches. We mess stuff up all the time. So we're kind of lucky in that sense and that people probably expect some things to go wrong. There's probably going to be a good amount of laughs when things do go wrong. In fact, those are probably be the most, you know, engaging tweets and social clips that come out is when we mess stuff up throughout this whole thing. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I think as long as we prepare, which, you know, this is a big week for us. We have, like I said, had a lot of good meetings. We kind of know the team inside and out. We know what we want to do. Uh, but kind of understanding the field now that we know who's playing, um, you know, digging deep into what's going on, trying to provide context when people do see shots, what it might, you know, what it means, what where this person's from, what their story might be, a little bit of a tidbit, right? Like that's that's difficult. There's, there's, you know, plenty of commentators out there who they, they dedicate their whole professional life to that. And now we're doing it for one week. So the onus is on us in that respect to kind of provide that, that context and try to paint the full picture for people. But at the end of the day, we're going to broadcast golf. It's going to be free. Like you said, barstool.tv. It's going to be something that if we weren't doing it and if the cord fairy tour hadn't trusted us, like it just wouldn't be there. It's an, it's an additional thing. So, uh, so it's kind of a bonus. We're treating it like a bonus. Um, and if it goes well, you know, hopefully we can we can showcase more and more golf going forward. All right, there we go. Riggs, thank you so much for joining us. For anybody that wants to watch some Corn Ferry Tour golf this weekend, uh, barstool.tv starting Thursday afternoon. 
Thank you. Up next, I spoke to Baltimore Ravens Pro Bowl tight end Mark Andrews. Mark has made himself a star despite living with type 1 diabetes. We spoke about that, the changing valuation of NFL players that has benefited tight ends at the expense of running backs, and how his position has changed over the years. That conversation is next. All right, very excited to be joined now by Mark Andrews, tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. Welcome, Mark. Hey, Owen, how are you doing? Uh, Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I just learned about you very recently is you were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when you were a, a kid. Um, how did that, you know, affect your trajectory as an athlete? I mean, did, did, were there times when you thought I should look at different lines of work? Yeah. You know, you know, obviously, um, sports has been something that's been, you know, huge in my life. Um, since I was a little, little kid, um, I've got three other siblings. I'm the youngest and, um, we're a very competitive family. And so that was very much a part of my life. And I was diagnosed at the age of nine and, um, you know, that it, it changed my life. It changed my family's life and in every aspect. And so I've, I've been fortunate to have a very close knit family. My dad being a doctor and obviously my mom being uh, very close with her, they, um, they've helped me, you know, all throughout the way and, and type having type one diabetes is not the easiest of things in the world. Um, but when you have a good support staff and, um, you know, when you have, um, you know, Technology has grown a lot, a lot since I was, you know, nine years old. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate to be working with a company called Dexcom. Um, and what Dexcom is, it's a CGM. And it feeds, it tells me through Bluetooth that I can just open up my Dexcom app and I can see my trends of my glucose um, at any time of the day. And the beautiful thing about it is it not only goes to my phone and shows me my trends and alerts me, maybe if I'm low, high or whatever, but it's also... Um, you know, showing my, my mom, my dad, uh, my brothers and, and things like that. So um, for a guy that, you know, takes their health extremely serious and um, I think everybody should, especially a type one diabetic, I think it's one of the biggest things, but um, you know, I take my health extremely serious. It's part of the reason why I am where I'm at, where I'm at is because I'm able to um, control my blood sugar. And I've, you know, I've got stories to, um, that, you know, Dexcom has been life-changing for me. Um, I remember when I was training for the draft, um, my brother was coming into town and I had taken a nap where I was just waking up and, um, you know, I, he, you know, saw my blood sugar was, you know, trending low and it was just steadily low for like an hour and two hours. And I wasn't answering my phone and he had just landed, um, where I was training, which was Santa Ana, California with athletes first. But, um, you know, then he called my agent like, Hey, Mark's not here. He's not, he's supposed to pick me up. You know, something's wrong. Go check on him. And, um, I was actually unconscious, you know, in my own sleep. And so when they came over, um, you know, they knew something was definitely wrong. It wasn't responsive. Um, you know, I remember waking up to, um, paramedics all around me, but, um, you know, just the little things like that, that, you know, my brother wasn't able to see my, my trends and my alerts and, um, uh, maybe that he didn't, you know, we wouldn't have sent somebody, uh, somebody to come check on me as early as he did. And, um, it's truly life-saving. The technology has grown more and more and, um, yeah, they're an incredible company. Uh, they help save people's lives. And I, j- I just want to encourage everybody that's a type one diabetic to, to go at least check them out. You know, it's been huge for me and in, in my, uh, my career and my everyday life. While we've got you, I, w- I want to uh, bounce a few topics that have been, you know, uh, pretty big in the NFL recently. Um, uh, for one, so this is the first year where there'll be some amount of flex scheduling for Thursday night football. So it's going to be with four week notice only for weeks 13 to 17. But still, you guys, you know, it's it's a physical trial to get ready for every game on a Sunday uh, to have that suddenly move to a Thursday. You know, how, how do you feel about that potential change? 
Well, I think uh, there's, that's a tough question. I think, you know, Thursday night games are, are tough, you know, on, on your, on your body, uh, the turnaround of, uh, of not having a full week to, to recover in your normal week. Anytime you have that change of schedule, it's a little bit different on your body. Um, obviously you get the little bit, the, the next, you know, couple of days off, but um, I think that's going to be tougher on guys having, you know, maybe an extra Thursday night game. That's tough for, uh, for anybody to recover that fast. You know, when you're playing football, it's a war. Um, so you need to, you need just a couple more days, but you know, I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think that um, that'll sit too well with a lot of the players, you know, personally for me, I'd, I'd rather something different, but um, you know, we're going to have to find ways to take care of our bodies. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, checking my Dexcom app. I'm making sure my blood sugar levels are, are, are level and I'm doing everything I can, you know, if I get a, you know, a flex game like that, just to make sure that I'm at the top of my game. Yeah. I mean, the NFL has grown so huge that, um, you know, there, there are more demands probably on the players, you know, obviously there's more money in the game too. So that's, it's, it's not all bad, but, um, another of those effects is the, um, the league is, having more and more of a presence in Europe, there's even chatter of European teams, even your European division. Um, for a player, is it exciting to be able to potentially travel to other countries or is it just a little too taxing on your body to be worth it? How, how do you feel about all that? Well, I've never played overseas. So I, I am, you know, I, I, I'd be lying if I say I wasn't excited to go over there and play. I think we're playing in the Tottenham Stadium. Um, I've heard great things about that. So I, I, I know the atmosphere there. Um, is going to be incredible. I'm excited for the, the you know the sport of football um, to grow um, you know overseas. I think that's only going to be good for the game. You know, obviously bringing in more revenue. Um, the travel part, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll figure out a way. I know that um, Coach Harbaugh has been thinking you know real hard about how that we're going to attack that and maybe go a little bit earlier and and things like that. But um, I'm excited for the game. It's going to be good, great atmosphere. Uh, we're going to put on a show and it's going to be a fun game. We're playing Tennessee out there, so um, that's always a good fight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there's been a lot of chatter recently around the the value of running backs. You know, there's obviously any number of legendary running backs. Uh, these days, you know, they're the guys are, are just as talented, but teams aren't necessarily willing to to pay what what some running backs expect that they're worth. Some of that money's heading in your direction toward tight ends. Uh, how do you feel about just the the shifting sort of positional economics there? Yeah, well, I think those guys put, you know, a lot on the line, you know, anytime you, it's a, it's a tough position, you know, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for, for all those guys and, you know, those upper echelon guys, you know, I think that, um, they deserve all that and more, you know, I have nothing but the utmost respect for them and, um, and everything they do, they make, you know, kind of offense click, you know, so, um, you know, I'm all for those guys getting their bags. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of guys getting their bags, uh, your quarterback, Lamar Jackson, uh, signed a uh, $185 million extension. Uh, uh, what does that mean to just like have that guy locked into this this huge contract on your team? I think it's so incredible. You know, I just look just the whole process of how everything was done and um, the scrutiny, the just the, the attention to how much attention that he had during this time period and, uh, you know, him doing it himself and sticking to his guns and, um, yeah, I'm just incredibly happy. Uh, there's not a the more deserving person in the world than Lamar. Um, you know, first he's, you know, the most incredible player I've ever played with. Um, he's a special talent. Um, and I know he's super focused, super locked in and, and excited for this year. And I am too. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for him and his family, but I'm excited to be able to have him back for, um, what is it? Another five years. Um, that's my guy. And I'm just excited to grow and, um, to get to where we want to go. And before we let you go, how do you feel the tight end position has has evolved? I mean, I know, you know, it's 
gone through a lot of changes lately, but, but do you feel like you're part of this new wave? Of course. You know, I think that there's guys that have, you know, you know, the tight end position has definitely been growing and growing, but um, you know, the, if you look back you know, there's been a lot of great tight ends to, to have done it before us and, um, and play and pave the way for, to make this, um, to put us in this position. You know, obviously you look at the, the Travis Kelsey's, you know, he's, you know, second to none, you know, the, the Rob Gronkowski's, um, it's just a, an incredible time to be in this era of tight ends and, um, to see the position grow and grow and, um, to see all the different things that these guys are doing. And, um, I feel like every year it's just elevating, elevating, elevating. And I love to see it. I love to see the guys, um, do their thing and, um, just happy to be a part. All right. Mark Andrews, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Owen. That is it for today. If you're enjoying the show, say hi at Owen Poindexter on Twitter. I really enjoy hearing from listeners or give us a rating or review wherever you're listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.